From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Robert Weinstock on automated modification of femto patterns based on Schleimflug data, and Robert Sioni on intraoperative aberrometry. You could program your laser that when it detects a 1NS cataract, you, for example, would do no frag. If the laser detected a 2 to 3NS cataract, you might do a simple cross or six cut pattern. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you, speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the ASCRS side-by-side meeting in Aventura, Florida. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we hear from Robert Weinstock on using Schleimflug data to modify femto laser patterns, and from Bob Sioni on the importance of intraoperative aberrometry. I'm here with Rob Weinstock. You know, Rob, we have these these diagnostic tools that are really wonderful. We have femtosecond lasers that are precise and, and, and are fantastic, but there's a a disconnect between the 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 two. Um, and but you've shown that there is new software coming out that is going to let us connect some of these things. Let, let me get you to flesh that out for me a little bit. Well, sure. Um, you know, we, we're getting pretty comfortable with these femtosecond lasers, but they're very much standalone devices right now. Uh, and a lot of us are starting to realize we need to kind of take some preoperative information, preoperative diagnostics, and match them up with the laser to guide the treatments to register the eye. So uh, each of the companies are working on their own things. You know, the Alcon has the Varion solution where it takes a preoperative uh, image and imports it into the Lens X laser. And uh, the Lens R laser has a similar capacity by using a uh, preoperative photo by the Cassini and preoperative topography and importing that into um, the laser wirelessly to guide the surgery and to do auto registration and this is kind of leaking it up and automating to make sure when we do these LRIs with the laser or put our wounds down that we're putting everything in the right position and uh, there's just a rapid evolution of software that's coming out uh, the Victus laser is going to have a whole bunch of new features that was just FDA approved and and the Lensar laser actually uh, is coming up with some guidance for the um, software to control the treatment of the fragmentation and it can find the actual structure of the nucleus, not just the front and back of the capsule, but now specifically treat just the nucleus of the eye and and put a specific fragmentation there and automate that process. So a lot of automation and improvements in this technology with now, the software. There, there, are, there are several things that, that you that you that you brought up. I want to slow down, I want to come back and and deal with them in a little bit more detail. 
Um, the Cassini is gathering topographic data. Now, how is that used for registration? That's a great question. So the topographical data is one piece of information that the Cassini does, which is very, very good in itself. But it also takes an infrared slit lamp photo of the undilated eye ah. at the same time, which you then can see the little data points on top of. So if you capture a good image and you then take that undilated photo and you wirelessly import it into the Lensar laser, you take a still photo of the eye right before you do the, um, right before you do the imaging of the eye and there's software that Lensar built that actually unwinds the architecture of the pupil. So you have a thick band for the undilated pupil and a thinner band of iris tissue, infrared, with the dilated eye. If you overlay those, you can find little crypts in there, match them up, and then register them. And that's the registration process, which happens in the blink of an eye. Oh, that's really, really neat. Now, one of the things that, that, you, that you mentioned, too, is, is that there are OCT systems that are integrated with the femto. But I'll tell you, when I do femto, there's an, there's an OCT image that I get. How does this differ from what I'm seeing? Okay, so, you know, as we know with these lasers, there's two parts. There's the femtosecond laser, but then there's also the imaging system that drives the laser treatment. Most of the platforms out there that we have are based on an OCT that images the eye and the anterior segment. The Lensar is the unique one that has Scheinflug imaging. The Scheinflug is more or less a camera, so it's taking camera images of the anterior segment from an angle as it scans around. So the level of detail that you can see is much different than an OCT, so you can see the density of the cataracts. So it can automatically grade the cataract to see if it's a 1NS, 2, 3, or 4. The OCT just gives a broader look. You can see the depth of the cataract and how thick it is, but you can't really see how dense that nuclear material is. And then you, ha you build software then on that density and the size of the nucleus to treat specifically that area. So a different imaging system is the, is the critical feature there. That's really neat. So does it change the, the, the femto pattern, like the, the, the waffle pattern or the, the, uh, the, the energy that's, that's coming out of the laser to deal with, with different it, it does. densities? And it is in clinical studies right now, but has been submitted to the FDA. So if this does receive clearance, you could program your laser that when it detects a 1NS cataract, you, for example, would do no frag. If the laser detected a 2 to 3NS cataract, you might do a simple cross or six cut pattern. And if it was a 4 or 5, it might automatically throw in a fragmentation pattern. But not, a, I mean, a, a matrix pattern, but not all the way from the top under the capsule to 100 I, micrograms no, below, you're, you're going to shrink it to exact size of the nucleus. That's so much really more neat. efficient. Yes. That's really, really neat, neat stuff. And it's gathering this, 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 this data from uh, Scheinflug. Um, from Scheinflug imaging. imaging. Exactly. Thought this really, will we need surgeons then if we've got all of the other stuff? Just, I sure uh, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah, that's really, really neat stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you, that you, that you brought this to us. That you were so generous with your time with us today. Oh, of course, my pleasure. I'm here with Bob Sioni. Bob, uh, our hospital has just gotten an intraoperative aberrometer. I'm, I'm going to be uh, using it within the next couple of weeks. I'm really, really psyched because, frankly, because I'm a, I'm a geek, and any new toy works out well for me. 
my my question to 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 you is is this I, I I can understand what the theoretical benefits are but how often does the information that you get from an intraoperative aberrometer actually change what you're doing in that case that's, that's a great question Josh and uh, when I first received our aberrometer I was I was a little skeptical but um, I followed and listened to those that came before me, such as Steve Lane. Uh, he was very, very excited about the results he was getting with this. And so I put it into practice. And, and keep in mind, I started on um, with early technology, and this technology has improved tremendously over the last few years. So to, in today's practice, I will tell you that compared to what I had calculated preoperatively, about 55% of the time I'm changing either the spherical power of the implant or the toric magnitude and even more frequently the axis that I'm going to put a toric lens at when I use aberrometry. Really? That, that often? Absolutely. And usually it's a half adopter difference or one toric magnitude difference, but it is not uncommon uh, literally every week that I have even greater changes. For instance, last week I had uh, the opportunity to take care of a patient, both eyes, um, and both eyes had planned on a lens with a toric magnitude of a T9 based on the preoperative calculations, and we put in a T5 in one eye and a T6 in the yes, other that's eye. That's a tremendous difference. It's a huge difference. Uh, patient the day after surgery in both eyes, 2020 uncorrected, had we done what we had planned on based on toric calculations, that would have been a very unhappy patient. Now, let, let me ask you a, 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 a really practical question. I am used to uh, doing calculations, planning things out, bringing in the uh, room the three, possibly four lenses that I could potentially use in whatever surgical circumstance. But do you then bring a lot of lenses in, you know, with a little bit of buffer on either side of your calculation and, and decide then what what to use? Yeah, that's that's another good question, Josh. And certainly the ability to, to change on the fly, if you will, is easier if you're working at a surgery center that has a, a large consignment of implants. And we do. So uh, we generally, when, when we're performing aberrometry, we do not bring a lens into the room until we've done our aberrometry measurement. I understand measurement. what you're saying. Yeah, uh, but uh, for those of you that have to order lenses, then what you're gonna wanna do is order uh, a couple different magnitudes on either side of, of the planned lens and a couple different powers. Uh, so that means, means bringing in a stack of lenses. Really puts those who have to order their lenses in advance at a disadvantage. So do, do you, well, do you use the Aberometer in 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 every single cataract surgery that that you do, even spherical cases, or or is it just for premium lens cases? Uh, for us is. For us, it's just uh, premium lens cases. So if a patient truly wants a refractive result and uh, they're getting a multifocal lens or they're getting a toric lens, then we'll, do, we'll perform aberrometry. Or if they're a patient who's had LASIK or RK in the past and um, in the past, they've paid for a refractive result with their RK or with their LASIK procedure, and they want to stay out of their glasses after the cataract is performed. Uh, perform, then we go ahead yeah, and do aberrometry. It's a no-brainer yeah. for those for those patients, certainly. Um, yeah, really, really neat. Now, let let me ask you one one final sort of practical question. Typically, how much time does it add on to the case? So, if if you're not 
using a torque lens, then really all you need is an aphakic reed. You're adding about 30 seconds, uh, maximum a minute. Uh, if you're placing a torque lens, then you have to determine torque magnitude with an aphakic reed. You have to align the uh, implant as well, so that means utilizing a reticle to mark which axis you're going to put it at. Uh, and that will change as time goes on because now there's, uh, at least with uh, the WaveTech device, there's going to be a dynamic reticle uh, that makes that alignment easier. But you also have to do a pseudophakic read. And with the pseudophakic read, you might be rotating that lens a few degrees left or right. And uh, that means multiple measurements. You might add um, to the total case time maybe four or five minutes. Yeah, but still it's, it's less time than you would add on with a, with a femto. Or with a, with a re-op if, if, you, if you get the, the uh, lens wrong. Yeah, and, and the femto is fairly quick too. I mean, we're, we're generally in and out of the room within two and a half to three minutes for femto. But the real savings is in having to talk with the patient postoperatively why you didn't get it right the first time. And then having to do a secondary yeah. enhancement. Or um, beyond that. If you don't get it right the first time, even if you can make that outcome better with an enhancement, the patient begins to lose a little faith in you if you have to go back to the operating room to get it right. Yeah, well, you know, prior, prior to talking to you, I was, I was, you know, psyched for uh, this, 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 this new stage that um, that I'm going to be doing during during cataract surgery. Now, you know, I'm pumped. I just want to run out of this meeting and and just start start using it right away. Well, you're going to love it, uh, especially if you like new gadgets, new toys. Um, it's one of those things that you'll probably want to play with on every patient initially because it is really neat to be able to walk out of the operating room and be assured by your readings that you are really close to the refractive target. Bob, thank you very much for, for bringing this to us and, of course, for being so generous with your time with us today. My pleasure. Have a good day. Robert Weinstock comes to us from Largo, Florida, and Bob Sioni from the I Institute of Utah in Salt Lake City, Utah. Ask questions of Dr. Weinstock. Dr. Sioni, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.